Ladies, Marie-Eve, Agus Falchestjok. You're welcome to my first series of Senior Times podcasts. It's often been said that we are a nation of storytellers. I believe that to be very true, and I am hugely impressed by the number and the quality of women who write in Ireland. On this podcast, my guest is Cathy Kelly. Cathy, you're very welcome. Thank you, Mary. And uh, congratulations, because I know that you have just finished your latest book, your 20th novel. Actually, it's my 21st and my fingers are still slightly shaking. Really? You have come of age. Uh, Yes, I've come of age. I'm 21. I know. (laughs) I I don't don't look a year older than 53. What's the feeling like when you uh, finish a book? How do you feel now? Oh, huge relief. I think it takes a few days before you you come down out of it and you keep thinking, I have to go into the study and do something else in a sort of hysterical way. Um, but it was wonderful to, to, to send it off. So I sent it off on, we're talking today on a Wednesday and I sent it off on a Sunday and oh dear Lord, I was delirious. And I'd, I always send it to, you know, you send it to the editor and your agent and I send it to myself as well. And it came, had come back to me. And then I'm checking it to make sure I sent the correct version. And uh, my two sons, uh, Murray and Dylan, came into the room. And th- there must be physic, as we say. It must be physic. And they <laughs> um, they had a prezi for me for Aww. finishing. And I've never had that. It was just so lovely. Because sometimes I'd, it'd be two o'clock in the morning and I'd finish a book and I'd like go online and buy a pair of runners or something because obviously That's I'm a little you know, gift. Yeah, wild and exciting person. Mm-hmm. But um so they had to say a lovely uh, rose candle and um and a, and a cleanser thing for me and and two beautiful cards and it was lovely. Oh, that's so sweet. I know. Kathy, that is lovely. That's a lovely way to market, isn't it? It's gorgeous. Mm. I'm just so happy. Yeah. Well, listen, we talk about uh the this new book later on, but Let's talk about your last book, which I finished recently. It's called The Family Gift. And the central character is Freya. She is um, just a, a wonderful character, I think. I could relate so much to her. She, she's Thank you. Like, she's in turmoil. She's trying to keep so many balls in the air. She's a TV chef. She's a mother. Her father is ill. Um, she's looking after three children. Um, her, she's like a tumble dryer, really. And uh, she gives herself no slack at all. Can I read you just a, a oh, little yes, bit? Because, uh, yeah. you know, she she's not in a great place. This is Freya speaking. I solved the whole argument in the most adult way possible that night. I went to bed immediately, taking my precious sleeping tablet and letting him face my back the way I faced his so often when I wake in the wee small hours. So there. That's the tricky thing with sleeping tablets. They hit you with their chemical kosh for a decent five hours and then, bingo, you're wide awake again. Just thinking about how little I sleep despite the tablets, I realise that I need coffee badly. Five damn hours. Zimophane is supposed to give you six hours, but I'm bucking the trend. My mind fights its way out of sleep, no problem. Sleep comes second to peace of mind in the list of casualties in my life. Peace of mind cannot be bought, even pharmaceutically. Actually, yeah, that is funny. Normally I die with mortification when, when anyone would, would read or if I had to read any of my, my books. But it's your beautiful voice reading it. Um, yeah, I think when I started to write that, The Family Gift, it's slightly different from my other books. So that's book number 20 because it's in the first person. Mm. And it made it 
quite easy to write now. It has to be said that the book I've just finished was like pushing glue uphill, but we, there's no <laughs> point comparing these things. But um, it makes it much easier when you're doing, you know, the I. And and certainly there's there's parts of me in, in Frey, in, in the way so many women, you know, if, if you have a job and you've got kids and you've got family and there's issues and there's never enough time. Yeah. It's sort of okay, I've got to go to the supermarket and, and uh, I better sort this out. And then there's the, the imposter syndrome pinging away at you. And certainly Freya, who is this uh, wonderful TV chef and in the way I think that both you and I understand people, if they see you on TV or something, they have a vision of you. They have no idea that, yes, you do have to schlep around Tesco and mm -hmm. buy toilet paper. So she's doing all this stuff and everyone has this wonderful vision of her and it's it's beginning to crash and, and fall apart. Mm -hmm. And also people would have the impression that she's super confident, which she is <laughs> definitely not. Yes. She really isn't. Do you think, though, here we are in 2020 and yet we still have these um, these struggles um, and we, as I said earlier, give ourselves no slack at all. We're very hard on ourselves, aren't we, as women? We are so hard on ourselves. Somebody tried to explain this to me once. I, I, this is, the, to me, the eternal question. And I, it's sort of, it almost seems unfair to say that only women do this, but certainly I think women do it much more predominantly than men. And we are hard on ourselves. And somebody tried to explain it through the um, psychoanalyst Lacan, who I hadn't heard about. And this guy was saying, I'll, I'll tell you about Lacan. And he, he said he was going to, sh the only way he could explain Lacan to me was to show me a little book with pictures. And I went, do you think I'm really that thick? But apparently it's very difficult. Anyway, I still don't quite understand it, but it, it something to do with our re reflection of ourselves. And we we don't think we're we're good enough in some amazing way. Mm. It's like saying no. We can never say no. We always want to to please people. We want to um we want people to we want to do the best for everyone. We want people to 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 like us because we think then we are a valuable human being because we are not allowed to like ourselves enough. That that isn't enough. We need that reflection. That's really interesting because this year, particularly since um, the, the the virus uh, hit, there's so much talk about self care and self love, and yet uh, as a as a breed, I think women put themselves last. Always, always put themselves last. I think every once in a while, someone will say to me, "Do you, do you ever do anything for yourself?" And and I'm going, "Well, you know, I mean, I don't have time, and and there's things I need to be doing." And these days, I think you know, during COVID, when I was I was trying to write a book and I was uh, late with it and trying to, you know, look after everyone and I was the only one going out doing the shopping. And, and of course, we, we were all so tense and nervous because every time you went to the shop, you felt you were bringing back this horrendous virus. Um, and the for me, the only bit of time that I got for me was at night, I would sit down on the couch with my three dogs and um, my, my darling husband, John, would be watching something on the, on the telly. And, you know, I'd say, oh, well, you keep watching that. And because I had the dogs with me, I have three little small dogs, and I just cuddle up with the dogs. And then I might, you know, put on a podcast or read and just have my little doggies cuddling up beside me. And that was, this is my little bit of happiness. I do crafting stuff, but I was just too tired to craft. So I just mm -hmm. was like, I'm yeah. just going to sit here and pet my dogs. <laughs> 
Your situation is that you um, have, as you say, your darling husband, John, and your two uh, twin boys. Twin boys who are now an awful lot taller than me, as per the picture I showed you earlier. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're what, 17? Is that what you said? They, are, they were 17 recently, Dylan and Murray, mm-hmm. and they're just wonderful, lovely, kind, kind people. The beautiful boys who bought me my, 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 my first ever pre-post book present. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, they're going into fifth year when when all is said and done, that, that or they are in fifth year, I should say. What about your own uh, background, your upbringing? Where did you, where, where did you come from? Where did I come from? <laughs> well, I always consider myself, there's a bit of the Charlie Hawhey series. I, I feel I came from everywhere because my mom was from the West, my father's from Dublin, and then I was born in Belfast. So I had that little, I was only born in Belfast because my dad, who was working in insurance, just happened to be in Belfast at the time. So we, we lived there for a year. But we used to go up and down to see, you know, friends when when I was small. Um, and then I used to spend all my holidays down the west uh, in Sligo, where my mom is from, with my grandmother. So I saw the, the farm and the, the whole... It, it was wonderful. Mm. And then um, I was brought up sort of halfway up the Sandyford Road, sort of Dundrum area. And um, yeah, so I've got a bit of everything. Good mix. Good mix. So you see, I could milk a cow uh, and, you know, still play uh, a game of rounders. Mm. Actually, I was appalling at rounders, though. I was better keeping the score. And what kind of a childhood did you have? Like, were you were you happy? Were you... Oh, yeah, no, I was happy, but I was very much your nerdy, okay. booky child who lived in her own imagination. That was it. I was, you know, once I had my books, I was, I was happy. I was just in my head. I'm, yeah, I'm imagining this is television here, and I'm rubbing my head. Honestly, it's ridiculous. Um, yeah, I lived for books and for stories. And my, I have an older brother, Francis, and then a younger sister, Lucy. And Lucy is seven and a half years younger. And when she came along, and we got round to sharing a room, I would tell her stories at night. It was just so lovely. I loved that. And did you ever have aspirations to write as you were growing up? Because when when I read your books, you are definitely a storyteller. I, I did, but I didn't know it. it. It's, you know, I mean, I'm, I'll be 54 soon. And back, you know, when I was born 66. So when I would have been 10, 76, or even when I was 20, there weren't young people writing. There, you know, there were in terms of writers for young people. We'll say you would have had your Ina Blyton type things, your Judy Bloom, you know, what Katie did, did, all these sort of things. But there wasn't, there weren't, wasn't young adult fiction, or young fiction, teen fiction, the way there is now. So there was no concept that you could be younger and write. Now I know, you know, a lot of those books are not necessarily written by younger people, but. It just didn't seem to be a job you could do. So I, this was like my little fantasy that I loved doing. And I used to write things to myself. And I used to write dreadful poetry, which mm-hmm. I once actually used one of those dreadful poems that I got myself. A, it was a get-out-of-jail-free card in when I was in journalism college. It, once a month, we had to produce a, um, a piece of um, creative writing. And at the last minute, I'd forgotten. And I went, oh, holy moly. Our health service is here for you this winter, and we're taking every step to protect you from COVID-19. Our services are open and working, from routine appointments to urgent care. Remember to check your prescriptions and keep a list of your medicines handy. And look out for your Keeping Well This Winter booklet in the post. Visit hse.ie or call HSE Live on 1850 24 1850 
for more information. From the HSE. Your free travel card can be used on all Expressway coach services. Despite restrictions, we're staying on the road. Whether you need to attend a medical appointment or for any other essential journey, remember to travel with Expressway. Expressway. Keeping Ireland connected. Here's your chance to win a top-of-the-range smartphone, a Doro 8050, designed specifically for seniors. Doro are market leaders in creating phones with clearer sound and larger text, one that's protected if it falls or can alert others if you do, and makes staying in touch with family and friends simple and enjoyable. Doro helped to make ageing an independent, secure and rich part of life. As you know, age is just a number. All you need to do to win a Doro smartphone is go to the website seniortimes.ie and follow the instructions. The lucky winner will be announced on the Senior Times Facebook page. Doro Phones, making technology easy for all. Say hello to our Premium Plus e-paper bundle. The interactive replica edition of the Irish Independent, Sunday Independent and The Hurl. Every paper, every day, delivered to your tablet, phone or desktop for less than €3.50 per week. Subscribe at independent.ie. Up close and independent. Well, you went on to work as a journalist. It was in the Sunday World, wasn't it? In the Sunday World, yeah. What was that like? It was was interesting. It was different. I... There were so many things I was going to do. Um, you know, I thought I might do science. My brother was a scientist. Um, I th- thought I might do law. I th- there were loads of things I thought I might do because I was sort of academically mm-hmm. nerdy person. And then at the time, there was only one journalism course and it was in Rathmines and it wasn't the CAO form. There was a separate form. So I thought, ah, sure, I'll do that one, you know. And um, And I didn't get law. And I was going to have to go back and repeat my leaving, which I was not looking forward to doing at all. And I got a call for journalism and you had to do an interview. And I I actually hilariously missed out on it. And then someone uh, decided they didn't take up their place. So I got the place and I got in by default. I've done a lot of things by default, actually. Mm-hmm. And that, from that, I went on to work in Sunday World. Which and what was, kind of things were you writing about in the Sunday World? I was hired with Paul Williams to be a news reporter. And and I think we can safely say that dear Paul is a far better news reporter than I ever. He's the crime correspondent. Yes. I mean, he was still is amazing. Um, I was I was very naive and innocent and daft and lots of things really. And and I still lived in my head and with my books and with my Jane Eyre sort of, you know, thing going on in my head. And suddenly I was in this this office where someone would say, right, I want you to go out to Ballymun and interview this woman whose son has, you know, gone to France. Uh, at the time, there was a, there were a lot of people going to France at the time to get off heroin. There was, a lot of money was involved um, and people would try and get their kids to this place in France to get off heroin. And I mean, it was, there were very bad times for heroin in Dublin at the time. And, um, and it was just, I mean, it was an amazing privilege. i feel so privileged that I met so many incredible, amazing people going through incredibly difficult times in their life. So it really was the most spectacular thing. But I was very unprepared for it. I think I can safely say that. Well, I'd say you said you grew up in um, Dundrum. Like you wouldn't have uh, had much exposure no. to. No, not a bit of it. But it was it was brilliant. It, it was wonderful. I think 
we all need to see what life is like because if we stay in our own little lane, we we never have any awareness of the rest of the world or the pain of the rest of the world and then you start whining about first world problems and, mm. you know, sort of, oh, look, my hair didn't work out today, you mm. know, and there's someone trying to, you know, as you know, feed a load of children on one loaf of bread and knows how many slices are in it. I'd imagine also that the the, the life that you are observing... Um, and experiencing when you were writing for the Sunday World, you know, um, stayed with you when you started writing novels to a degree, did it? Yes, yeah, stayed with me. It, it changed me hugely. Did it? Yes, it did, because suddenly I... Um, I was a different person. I knew an awful lot more. I understood the world and I saw this pain and poverty. And when I started to write, um, I I wanted to write something that I would like to read. And, I, you know, I wasn't saying I'm going to write something that's going to win an award or get fabulous reviews. I'm going to write what I would like to read. So that's what I did. I mean, the great thing about being a journalist is you are, you know, you have the discipline and you are good at research. So you can research reasonably quickly. Um, but as I've got older, as I've been involved with different charitable work, like with a UNICEF, even though that doesn't necessarily come into my books, as I meet people, as people write to me and talk to me, you you see so much of life. Because I think my books are empathic and, and people respond to them and they contact me and they talk to me and I've made a lot of friends through that. And I try and, God, this sounds very self-serving and help people, you know. Well, I was absolutely blown away by the list of acknowledgements at the back of the family. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. From yeah. all different walks of life. My goodness, yeah. You must have uh, some phone book. with all. I, I probably, yeah, I know it's desperate. It's just, if the phone breaks, I'm in big trouble. Um, well, I think one of the problems with writing the acknowledgements is you're always terrified you're going to leave people out and you'll offend someone. It is one of my, my wake up in the middle of the night moments is I have offended someone. So if I offend someone in any way, I would be devastated. So I think, I better put them in now because they might be offended and, and, and upset and I couldn't bear that. And mm-hmm. see, I'm a bit of an idiot, really. Your very first book was published in 1997 uh, and that was Woman to Woman. Um, were you still working in the Sunday World at that point? Yes, I worked in the Sunday World and I wrote three books because I hadn't got any money up front. So I, I couldn't afford to uh, to stop working. And I didn't want to, really. Um, uh, so I... I did three books and I worked full time. And um, yeah, it was weird when the first book came out because was my, it? my father had been, was was sick and he it had developed early onset Alzheimer's. Um, I had been diagnosed, well, actually I sort of self-diagnosed just because I'm, you know, as I said, a nerd, science nerd, um, with a malignant melanoma. And then the book came out. So all this is happening at the same time. So the melanoma, they just whisked it off and that was fine it was done I was like all right great marvelous move on next thing um book came out my mom and I brought dad down to Nutgrove and we there was a window which had the book in book in it and we took some film but I don't think he was able to see it and um I mean one of the moments I can always remember is being in the Sunday World car park and the books arrived and I you know put them in the back of my car and I you know opened it up and I was going, oh my God, book is just so exciting. 
and hilariously, everyone thought it was me on the front because it was a woman with with blonde hair, and I have I should point out very dyed blonde hair. <laughs> but uh, and they all said, "Is that you?" And I say, "Do you really think I put me on the front of my own book?" Mm-hmm. He's mad. But um, but then I got embarrassed, you know, because it did really well, and I'd be, you know, the, it's, isn't that the Irish thing? We get embarrassed, and people say, "And is the book still number one?" I go, "Yeah, yeah, fine now. Excuse me, I have to go somewhere else." I know. Self-love, Kathy. self-love. Self-love. Oh, mm-hmm. I, I need a tattoo, but I can't because I have managed to get um, vitiligo. You mentioned that when your first book was published, um, Woman to Woman, which went on to be an international bestseller, your dad was in the early stages of Alzheimer's. And that's a thread that's going through the, the family gift. You write so sensitively about um, dementia and uh caring for somebody who has needs like that. There's a beautiful, beautiful piece. Can I, can I read yes, that? Yes, of course. So this is Freya paying a visit to her mother who's looking after her husband who has dementia, but also her father-in-law and also her own mother. Like, she really is a saint. Mum arrives with tea in an ordinary cup for me and in what looks like a child's cup, but is really a special invalid's cup for my father. She brings it over to him and carefully helps him to some tea. Another sight that makes me want to cry. He's young. He shouldn't be in a wheelchair being fed, staring into the great unknown. This hand cream is lovely, Mum, I say as I open the tube and take a sniff. There's lavender in it, she says. I love lavender. I know you're not such a big fan of it, Lorcan, she says lovingly to her husband, but it's so calming. Dad doesn't react either way. It's just so full of love, Kathy, and empathy. And uh, you really do have a, a great sense of, you know, the, the emotions of other people. Yeah, I, I, I said to someone recently, and they're still looking at me, that I felt that I was an empath. But I, I think a lot of writers are empaths. They pick up on people's feelings and, 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 you know, people talk to me and they tell me things. And it means you can, I suppose you have to feel how other people are going to react. I mean, with that, I, I suppose I didn't have to, to go into anyone else's head to, mm. to understand that. And as I've got older, I'm very aware of the, 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 the loveliness of touch. And when people are, are perhaps older and lonelier and missing the, the, the touch. I just had this vision of this lovely man who's, who's, mm. whose mind is, is gone somewhere else because he's in a, a brain injury and he's, um, and the idea of his wife rubbing the cream into his hand mm. because, you know, who knows what he can sense and, and that's all we can do for mm-hmm. the people we love, you know. Mm the real real life issues that you have in this in this book the family gift and there are others that you know are quite um comprehensively dealt with if you like i mean there's freya's anxiety uh, the sleeping pills um the uh, the mugging she suffers from a mugging so she's a victim of crime uh the dementia as i said and even like when she goes to her support group there's uh, the whole notion of um sexual assault and rape and that those are all they're big issues Cathy. I think as I've gone along with writing uh, I mean this is okay my 20th book The Family Gift so I 
you know, as you grow, you, as a writer, I hope I've grown, you, you, you tackle different things. And I've always written about lots of different things. And then a couple of years ago, I, I spoke about, it was sort of by chance, really it happened about the Me Too business. Uh, sorry, the Me Too, not the Me Too business. I don't know where that word came from. Sorry. I spoke about um, the, the Me Too movement. And um, I, I had been, I suppose, assaulted in a, in a Me Too way. It's very difficult really to find the correct words for this. So I, um, I put a little bit of that into that book and there were mm. people who are trying to recover from that. And in fact, I look at it again in, in this book I've just finished. You know, I think if you cover a topic, then you always you go deeper into it in another book. But um, it's, I think it's a very powerful thing to write about. And I think uh, I like dealing with big things that are that are in our lives. It's not the idea of I'm going to, you know, hop on the zeitgeist bandwagon. It's just you become aware of what's happening around you and you think, okay, well, I, I have something I can add to that and maybe it'll help someone else. Well, if you've been through that situation, as you describe yourself, do you find it cathartic to to write about it? It is very cathartic. Um, I actually wrote about it years and years ago, but I never told anyone. And I think so often writers get things in books and nobody really realises. Um, but yes, it is hugely cathartic, you know, to... to it's like talking to someone else. It's like talking it out. It's like understanding it. And I've... Um, I've always been hugely fascinated by, you know, people and trauma and how we recover from things and how we should try and take care of ourselves and love ourselves, although sometimes I can be bad at the self-love thing. I'm working on that, really working on that one. Um, but I love the idea of writing something that will make even one other person go, yeah, okay, that, that wasn't that person's fault, so it wasn't my fault either. I, even if one person can read something and get comfort from it. Because we, I think we read to remind ourselves that we're not alone. That, you know, what is that wonderful line, what, you two, I thought it was just me. Was that C.S. Lewis? I can't remember. It's a beautiful line. It's that recognition we get sometimes with a book. Mm -hmm. That's a, a very nice thought, isn't it, for somebody to pick up a book who has been in a, a traumatic situation and to, to read about it. And as you say, to take comfort and consolation from it. Because sometimes one one can't see from one's own story, but other people's, mm -hmm. you go, oh yes, that, that was terrible. Mm -hmm. That was awful. Mm -hmm. And it's very powerful and healing. But you do need to have the the empathy. And my goodness, you have that. You have the, the empathy to that. And I have to say, um, it's, it's just phenomenal the way Irish women writers seem to, I don't know, to have that, that gift of understanding and reaching out and um, storytelling. I think it must be something. It's, it must be this wonderful genetic thing we have because there. I mean, there are so many of us. I remember in the early yeah. days, right? It was with a me. Um, well, there was Patricia, beautiful Patricia Scanlon first, who was just an angel, and then um, Marion Keys, Sheila Flanagan, and myself. And you know, we used to in the beginning we used to have our office Christmas party because we, we didn't have offices anymore at this point so we'd have our office Christmas party we haven't had one for ages and then more people were coming along and I think all of us would always help the next person coming along because you have to that's, that's what you should do it's the right ethical thing to do 
Say hello to Independent Weekend Home Delivery. Save up to 40% with the Irish Independent and Sunday Independent delivered to your door every weekend. Plus, enjoy premium access to independent.ie and read our interactive e-paper edition all week long. All from just €5 per week. Search for Independent Home Delivery now. Your free travel card can be used on all Expressway coach services. Despite restrictions, we're staying on the road. Whether you need to attend a medical appointment or for any other essential journey, remember to travel with Expressway. Expressway. Keeping Ireland connected. Here's your chance to win a top-of-the-range smartphone, a Doro 8050, designed specifically for seniors. Doro are market leaders in creating phones with clearer sound and larger text, one that's protected if it falls or can alert others if you do, and makes staying in touch with family and friends simple and enjoyable. Doro helped to make ageing an independent, secure and rich part of life. As you know, age is just a number. All you need to do to win a Doro smartphone is go to the website seniortimes.ie and follow the instructions. The lucky winner will be announced on the Senior Times Facebook page. Doro Phones, making technology easy for all. Our health service is here for you this winter and we're taking every step to protect you from COVID-19. Our services are open and working from routine appointments to urgent care. Remember to check your prescriptions and keep a list of your medicines handy. And look out for your Keeping Well This Winter booklet in the post. Visit hse.ie or call HSE Live on 1850 24 1850 for more information. From the HSE. But there are so many amazing, amazing writers out there all the time. And I just had a, a Zoom conversation with a lovely lady recently called um, Emma Murphy, right? And she's new Irish writer. She's ghostwritten a lot of books, um, business books, and she's Irish. She lives in the UK and she's written her first um, fiction novel. Mm -hmm. And it's just so funny. And it's about a, a, a woman who has to write a book about uh, being a mom. And at the same time, she's in a WhatsApp group with a, a lot of women who, you know, are all, you know, I'm better than you. And no, really, are you really giving your children Rice Krispies? Oh, my God, they're going to die. So it's, it's terribly funny. So I had a Zoom call with her just because I'd read it and I loved it. And I said, oh, we must talk so I can give you some wisdom. Oh, that's nice. you know. But we all do that. It's just... And it's fabulous. We're, we're great storytellers, Irish people. And we, we, we do laugh at ourselves, which is very important to be able to have the old laugh. There's great humour in The Family <laughs> Gift because this, uh, this alter ego of Freya, Mildred, who's always kind of chastising her. Uh, With the inner voice, I mean, I don't know. I used to think it was just me that had the inner voice saying, you big idiot, why did you do that? So then I thought, wouldn't it be great fun um, if I was writing first person and we, we make her Mildred and because, you know, and apologies to any nice Mildreds out there. But Mildred was, <laughs> is, was very mean and used to say, really, you were just actually going to go out wearing those scabby tracksuit bottoms? Mm. This is really, Mildred is just talking to me, to be honest with you. I spend far too long in scabby tracksuit bottoms. And um, it was just so much fun to do it because I'm sure you have read the Eckhart Tolle books and, and I've read it, although I think I probably need to sleep with it under the pillow mm. so it'll go in by osmosis, mm. but that we are not the thoughts in our head, the, the voice that repeatedly says, you're doing this wrong, you're doing that wrong. Oh my God, what are you going to do about dinner tomorrow? We can exist in the now. I'm very bad at existing in the now. I'm always thinking about, you know, the next thing I have to do. But um, 
I think I was channeling a bit of Eckhart Tolle in a in a in a weird way with Mildred there. And it, and Mildred in the end comes good. Mildred is on her side, you know. Actually, something that's very nuanced and is another issue that uh, women have to deal with a lot. It's it comes via Mildred. Uh, you've just reminded me of it there. Sometimes Freya sees herself uh, in a mirror and I get the impression that uh, Freya has issues around body image, which is something that uh, women have to deal with all the time. Yes, I mean, it's but very nuanced, isn't it? It's it's there. I didn't want to be make a big deal about it, but I think it is. Do you feel that you're... Uh, your boys are more aware of the the struggles that people have in other parts of the world because of the fact that you're a UNICEF ambassador? I think hugely. I mean, they're both very um, empathic people anyway, and they're both very interested in the world. Um, But yeah, I think it's always been a part of our lives. I mean, my children have never been involved in any of uh, my sort of you know, work. I I did, I think, two pictures with them when they were little and one was um, with lovely Albert Reynolds for Barnardo's, which, because it was about getting, you know, um, books into into children's houses. And I thought that was really powerful. And then the way I got involved with UNICEF was uh, myself and John and the two boys when they were very little, uh, we were photographed together for a UNICEF book. And then that's it. They've never been involved. It's their own lives. But they've always known about the work. And I've always talked to them about how lucky we are. And they see it. They they know it. They get it. Mm-hmm. I had a picture from the first time I was ever in Mozambique, which would have been in um, 2005. I had a picture of a little uh, girl on my wall. And she I'd taken the picture at a mother and baby clinic Um up north, and 20% of children in sub-Saharan Africa don't get to be five because they die of really simple things. They die of diarrhea. I mean, you know, that's, it's just appalling. They, the, it, the number of things they die of is absolutely horrendous. And I used to look at that picture, that was there for years, and I used to think, I wonder, is that little girl still alive? And I used to talk to them about her. So they, you know, they have, they have a great social conscious. And I think, Young people now are so good. They have just such powerful social consciences. I think they really will will change our world in a wonderful way. I think that's a a very good uh, note on which to finish. Cathy, it's really been uh, fascinating talking to you. And congratulations. I hope you get to lie on the couch now and watch (laughs) lots of movies before the, yes. the the manuscript comes back for a bit of an editing, a bit of a red pencil job. I know, but I, see, I, I think I'll probably have to do, oh God, you know, I better clean out the fridge, you oh, know, because the, no. the fridge is always smelling. What is it with the fridge and the smelling? <laughs> movies on the couch, Cathy. Okay, movies on the couch. Thank you, Mary. Cathy is such an enigma, a bundle of energy, anxiety and good intentions, a very sensitive soul with a deep understanding of the depths of women's personalities. Maybe that's why she describes issues so brilliantly in her books. I empathize with her as I do with all of her characters and I look forward to reading her writing for many more years to come. This Senior Times podcast was produced by Simon Murta and engineered by Mark Murphy.